Welcome to CarePod, a safe place to educate, inspire, and renew the caregiver. Listen in with our host, Dr. Kipley Bell, as she interviews different experts along the caregiving journey. So I am here with Dr. Mike, Dr. Mike in the house, Dr. Mike Chua, doctorate of physical therapy, uh, owner of Jerry Hab. What a name. I'm really, really excited to, to be with you and sit with you, chat all things uh, older, active adult person. So I appreciate you, you being here with us. I have really come to realize that physical therapy is the first line. It's the first line drug. And I have seen this just transformative power of movement and slow progression and returning a patient to, to baseline and, and to their quality of life. So I'm really happy to spend time with you today. And thank you for joining us here at the Care Pod. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me, Dr. Bell. I appreciate you. And then thank you for answering the call to be amazing and providing this amazing service to the rest of the caregivers uh, that you've been serving. So thank you. Thank you. Yes, it's 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 a beautiful space. You know, I my why is essentially, you know, I take care of my mom. She's going to be 88 in December. And wow. many times, even at bedside, being in the know, right? being exacer exacerbated as a personal caregiver and also rewriting the, the professional narrative that although we all have training and advanced degrees, we are still caregivers. And so when you put yourself in the mind of a caregiver, you're able to uh, affect patient care so much better and have stronger and deeper bonds with families. So uh, yeah, so I appreciate it. So that, that's my why. So tell me, um, tell me your why, tell me your journey, tell us about yourself, uh, your path in this niche population, et cetera. Well, first of all, thank you for having me again in this amazing podcast that you have. I love the name too, CarePod. There you go. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, uh, when I was growing up, we were taking care of my uh, my grandmother. You know, I grew up in the Philippines. My dad's Chinese. My mom uh, is Filipino. But uh, of course, there's always... Even in the Philippines alone, there is like a language barrier. Just the Philippines, we got like, uh, how many islands? 2,000 something islands in 200 different languages. And then here comes my dad, you know, his, mo his mother, my grandmother, didn't know how to speak my mom's language. And then she had dementia. We took her, uh, my mom took her uh, home and we can't understand her language and we can't even understand what's going on. And we always thought that she was just, you know, you know, in the, in the third world country, when you have dementia or Alzheimer's, people just think, oh, they're crazy. They don't know what to do. So she was like pooping and peeing in the living room. She can stand up and walk. And then why would she Why would she poop and pee in the living room? And then I never understood it. You know, of course, I was growing up, growing up and it's like, oh, never mind. It's probably, you know, uh, she's just crazy. And then I migrated here in the States 10 years ago and come to realize this is Alzheimer's and dementia. What's going on? And we have to learn how to understand it. And, um, and then my dad had like cancer and she, he had like MCI, mild cognitive impairment. And then the rest of history, I think this is going to be my niche. I work in the nursing home. I work in the hospital. I work in an outpatient setting. And I said, I think uh, geriatric is the most underserved uh, population. So thus, gerihab, geriatric rehab. So we serve Talk a lot of- Talk about a name. Uh, I know, right? 
And we do have two outpatient clinics and uh, four assisted livings that we serve, that we go to. And uh, we just specialize in geriatrics, of course, intellectually, you know, adult disabled population. And uh, we just, it's just a good niche. If you're a, if you're a, a caregiver or a practitioner, nurse practitioner, PA, or a therapist or a physician, I think you know what I'm talking about. It's much easier to handle a case of a geriatric or senior versus a young athlete who is so high level and they're just complaining of tennis elbow and they're like complaining about this and that just because of that tennis elbow. And then you've got this senior geriatric, right? And senior geriatric, all you need to do, all right, Mrs. Smith, let me check on you. Listen to your heart, your lungs. Let's stretch your neck, massage your back. They will feel so good even though it's not perfect. So uh, that's the reason why, you know, Jerry, Jerry Rehab was uh, was uh, created and uh, we do provide and train other therapists how to start their own therapy practices too. So, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, there there is something that you said that's really, really timely for me professionally because I really, beyond the dementia piece, is the language barrier and the isolation that patients have not being able to communicate in their own tongue. And even the frustration or the angst that we feel, or I can speak for myself, that I feel at times having to depend on an interpreter phone or trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together with a child at bedside. I literally just had a grandmother, diffuse abdominal pain, Haitian born with her grandson at bedside because the daughter couldn't bring her to the hospital and he, he knew nothing. So in my, in my private Facebook group, I said, listen, everyone bust out an index card and you write down your full medical history, allergies, the like, and put that give that to your tribe because you just never know when an emergency happens. And I really feel that that that's even a sub niche of this niche population that is really underserved and doesn't have the access to the resources that they need to understand their disease state. So really, really powerful there. So how did you, were you able to affect change in your own family or you were still a youngish to to begin to realize this path for yourself? It's pretty young. I was like in high school then. I mean, you know, when you're in high school, you just yeah, do whatever yeah. you want, you know? <laughs> I remember just, you know, um, me and my best friend, the name is Marvin. We were, I don't know if you know, uh, uh, it, today we call it PlayStation, right? Back home, we call okay. it the uh, Sega family computer. And then we were playing, me and, my, and Marvin, my best friend, we were playing like a game of killing each other. And I'm like, go ahead and kill that guy, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're like playing <laughs> games. And my grandmother, who was in the living room, she was so... She's thinking that we were killing her. So she's like, oh, so you want to kill me? And we were laughing about it. And she, you know, told it to my dad and was like, so you want to kill my mom? I was like, no, dad, we were playing, playing, uh, you know, Sega at that time. And then come to realize, you know, that's how they are. Just like what you said, you know, the language barrier. But there may be a lot of barriers there, but this is where we come in as a caregivers. We need to know what's stopping or the barriers are. It could be the verbal barrier, the visual barrier, the auditory and tactile. So we need to look at different cues, you know, the visual, the tactile, the nonverbal cues of our clients or our patients. In this way, we can go past through that barrier. Yes, we may not break those barriers down, but if we can at least, you know, see, oh, this patient has uh, eyebrows like this or their hands are doing this, there's something going on. 
you know, it's either they're having some UTI, pneumonia, you know, I don't know. I'm not a nurse practitioner, they're or a PA, but they're guarding. Right. There's something going on. There's either a pain, uh, just some sort of a discomfort there. So it's, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love Jerry Hab. You talk about a name. That's awesome. How, how do you feel about this? So now this movement, if you will, or buzz around getting away from geriatric to the older active adult person. I, I tend to, to correct myself because I'm endeared to geriatric because I've been doing it for decades of my life. So I'm endeared to the term. But I, I just was thinking of, of prior to coming on with you about this term, Jerry. Do you find that you have clients that don't want to kind, kind of subscribe to like, I'm not old, the old lady over there, the old guy over there. How do you combat that barrier? Well, first of all, there's that, that's the first stage denial. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of our patients, they don't want to accept, you know, Oh, I'm not that old, but once they're inside that facility or that clinic, uh, they come to realize, Oh yeah. Because I try to really nitpick on them when they come in for an evaluation. I nitpick literally, uh, I do a two-hour assessment. I mean, an hour and a half. You know, from the head to toe, I check their jaw, their neck, every single joint, uh, their hands, their fingers, the MCPs, everything, low back, almost everything. You know, a, a, a thorough uh, physical therapy evaluation, and they they will realize, oh, yeah, there's something wrong. And I'm not, we're not telling they're wrong or they're sick or something, but we just have to point out to them, hey. This is something that we can improve on. You know, we're all not perfect and they will realize, oh, I need to come back, Dr. Mike, and do some exercise with you, with your team and everything. And they and they value it. And part of it too, Medicare, you know, um, you know, I don't know if you know it, they have this program called maintenance therapy. Mm -hmm. And maintenance therapy consists of you know, continued, continued physical therapy services provided that it is a skilled service. Well, every therapy services are skilled services. So they can continue doing their exercises with a supervision from a super, uh, you know, a therapist or a PTA. So they could continue living life to the fullest because if not, we're just letting them, okay, stay in your home <laughs> and then go to the nursing home or, or hospital. And then it's a cycle with this program that we're doing. Not, I mean, I wish we could make it national, but with this, you know, we're preventing them from going to the hospital. We're preventing them from. Absolutely. So it's just. Absolutely. You know, well, those assisted livings that we go to, the four assisted livings, the administrator would talk to me, hey, Dr. Mike, since you guys came in here, we don't have any falls. Of course, you know, some people who don't participate in our program, they would. But if we have them on that maintenance program, that once a week or every other week of therapy, oh, gosh, they, you know, they enjoy it. They they continue to do it. But of course, there's a dip, there's difference between people who have Alzheimer's and dementia. It takes a special therapist to, you know, try to redirect them how to work out with us. So, yeah. Yeah. So that, that is two points there that you made as in terms of your specialty and in being dementia certified and cueing and redirecting the client. And also is the maintenance therapy capped? So after, you know, if I'm writing a script for physical therapy for a patient and they have uh, an acute injury, their post-op hip replacement, knee replacement, or, you know, they have, you know, antalgic gaits, instability, frequent falling, et cetera, and now you've completed X amount of time, to, what happens thereafter? Uh, you can reinitiate a secondary script to say, I want this patient on maintenance? Yes, ma'am. So that's the misconception that uh, most of practitioners, even as therapists, 
in our head, oh, the patient reached the cap, like $2,900. Well, $2,900, $2,900, it's not enough. That's probably like four weeks of therapy. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, it's it's you know it's 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 done. But Medicare has made a rule. Okay, if you reach the cap, uh, or we don't know, we no longer call it the cap. We call it the threshold. So once that patient has reached that threshold, uh, you you click a modifier like a KX modifier as a practitioner or a therapist, and then you go you can go past that. Now here's the the thing: you get audited. So a lot of clinics or practitioner, oh, we don't want to get audited. Well, if you are providing a good service, I mean, I'm, I mean, I hope Medi- Medicare's been auditing me anyway. But I'm not afraid to get audited because we know that we're providing a skilled services. You know, we know that we're preventing this patient from falling. We know that we're preventing this patient from going to the hospital, getting pneumonia, because we do a lot of, you know, spirometer training. Uh, ah. I'll buy them a spirometer machine, and because most of them they're like short of breath, COVID, pneumonia. Yes. Yes. Out, the spirometers are like 10, 15 bucks at the Amazon. We would buy that for the first two or three weeks. We would train them to do that, you know, because most they can be the strongest person in the world, but if they're, they have COPD or pneumonia or COVID. They right. Can't that pulmonary function capacity. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Need CME credit? Are you a professional caregiver? Check out our courses with full accreditation provided by Evergreen Certification at impactfulcaregiving.com. Right, that pulmonary function capacity. Absolutely. Absolutely. We would would train them with the spirometer machine, you know, know, have them suck that spirometer and have them control around 2,000 ml. And then that's a good, you know, uh, maintenance program too. And then you have them take home that spirometer, boom, they're good. So, but most therapists, like what I said, and, you know, of course, you know, physicians and nurse practitioners and everything, they think there's still a cap and they're afraid to be audited. I don't, you know, uh, I just take the risk because I know deep inside we're doing a good thing for these patients and providing it. You know, we got, uh, I think out of, uh, we've been doing this since uh, 2018, 2019, we got audited and Medicare asked me to return their money. Um, but I said, Hey, I want to talk to you. This is what we've been doing with the patient. You know, this is, uh, the modifier. This is the skilled service that we provided that only us can do it. And you no, know, lo and behold, okay, we're not going to take the money back, something like that. So. Yeah. You just have to fight it and, and believe it. You, it's like what you said. Absolutely. You're why. You're Absolutely. You got to take yes. care of this elderly people. Nobody yes. will. Who will? No. So. And I don't know. I don't know what has happened, but I'm really on a mission to to in my corner of the world or my space in this world to rewrite that narrative that you know I'm looking at you and you're looking at me and we we have a shared experience. And if, if you change that paradigm when you sit with a patient, it transforms the way you you move and the way you direct care and the way you set the tone for the staff that is supporting you in caring for that patient, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, really important information, especially around the billing and understanding um, the, the availability uh, and the resources that are there for people. Uh, tell me about... You know, your bedbound clients, clients that are not able to leave the home, 
Uh, do you believe in virtual therapy options uh, and do you provide that yourself? Oh yeah, we do a lot of telehealth uh, services. Uh, well, first, I, I literally go there first. You know, I mean, I'm not that true telehealth practitioner where, okay, you talk to Mrs. Smith and, you know, just build that. What I do is I personally go there first. Okay, Mrs. Smith, what's going on? Because I, I really want to see the patient first if it's a bed bound. And then I have the caregiver there and I have my physical therapist assistant with me. And then they'll see how I treat the patient. Okay, uh, yes, this is not a restorative program because you cannot really restore the patient if they're bed bound or in hospice. So right, we, right. we, you know, put them under the maintenance program. Uh, and then we train the caregivers. We, we print out like a sheet, like a personalized program. We have a picture, you know, we'll take a picture of course with HIPAA, you know, but it's, it's their yeah. own, you know, we don't share it. It's a HIPAA protective, uh, um, what you call this uh, program. And then we give that sheet and a video to that caregiver and that PTA will do the follow-up. She will go there and do the actual follow-up treatment once a week. And then every 30 days and 60 days, I do a telehealth with them where I have, you know, just like what we're doing right now, I'm using a phone. Yeah, yeah. And, and my PTA say, hey, Dr. Mike, am I doing the right thing? Of course, they don't say that, you know, like, hey, what else do I need to do? <laughs> and then most of my therapists, my PTAs, they're amazing. Uh, they're all certified, uh, dementia certified, trained to. And um, that's how we do our telehealth. But okay. for younger individuals, obviously, I mean, you can do that. You know, the, this one-on-one -on -one direct telehealth. Uh, but for bed-bound, it, it's really difficult. So we do have, I do send my uh, therapy team to do the the actual therapy while I'm doing this uh, supervision thing in the, gotcha. in, in the computer or cell phone, whatever you call it, FaceTime okay. or Zoom. Yes, 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 yes. So do you do uh, focus on upper extremity uh, exercises for those that may be, you know, more have, you know, obese conditions or uh, limitations and mobility of the lower extremities? Do you focus on their areas of strength at, or more active functionality? Or how do you determine or triage uh, that person? That's funny you, you asked that. In the rehab world, if, especially if you go to the nursing home, OTs does the upper body, PTs does the lower body. Right, right. In the, in the outpatient world, most of the PTs does everything. We're more like a holistic approach. We check from head to toes, upper body, lower body. Uh, we do have two OTs that work with us, occupational therapists, for those who don't know. Uh, they are they do most ADLs, you know, teaching them how to get out of the bed. Uh, rolling out of the bed, you know, going to the bathroom, safe and effective, uh, some vision therapy, you know, uh, that's also very important, you know, the depth of field, the dilation and constriction of their their pupils, you know, that needs to be uh, checked out too. So, uh, and, and of course, physical therapy, you know, general upper body, lower body strengthening. So yeah, you're correct. And then of course, you mentioned about uh, for obese patients or clients, we try to, you want to go back to your your base, your your uh, foundation, English is not my first language. I'm running out of language. English, uh, Doctor Bell. <laughs> well, the so, root, the root cause of your of the right. the obesity in the first place. Yeah, yeah I get you. <laughs> you, go down, you go down to the foundation. You know, if the if that obese client can't get out of the bed, start with the neck first. You know, start with the head mm. head movement. It's like a baby mm. or a child. You know, you start with the head movement first. Then you sit up, up sit them up at the edge of the bed. Learn to control that abdominal muscle. 
all right, sitting at the edge of the bed. Then once they're able to control that abdominal, that trunk control, then you try to stand him up. Uh, of course, different patients are diff uh, different levels of function, different levels of motivation, uh, different levels of cognitive level. So we just have to work around with that. So mm -hmm. Absolutely. So tell me, do you go home? Do you do any uh, volunteerism internationally around this teaching in, in terms of uh, your native tongue, et cetera? Uh, I've been wanting to go home first, because, but we're not citizens. Uh, we do have our legal residency or we're green card holders. Uh, we just got mm -hmm. it around 2019. So during that time, we can't go home. So, uh, but I do teach online. We've been teaching stuff online uh, tr through Zoom. You know, we do our certification classes uh, and teach, you know, back home in the Philippines because uh, not all people could, you know, understand what Alzheimer's and dementia is, especially right. in the third world country in the Philippines. Unfortunately, Dr. Bell, I don't know if you experienced this. Um, I mean, not all, but we also have what you call the crab mentality. I don't know if you know that. So, yeah. you know, yeah. in the Philippines, we have a lot of that. You know, I was like, why would I listen to this Dr. Mike? I know what he's doing. You know, so to be honest, I have more followers here in the States, United States. I have this big group called the Alzheimer's and Dementia Support Group. We have around 40,000 members there. You need to be inside that group. So, okay. uh, Invite if me. you send me this recording, uh, we'll, <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll submit there too. And then I have this another group called Alternative Healthcare Career Group. We have like around 51,000 members there uh, who was actually, you know, trying to look for alternative careers. So, yeah. So, so I haven't been going home, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, <laughs> I find that as a general, uh, that's a general pain point for me as well in that, is it? You know, I guess a, pro a prophet has no, no, uh, what's the term? I lost it, but uh, in his own land, I'm losing the, uh, the, the term. But nevertheless, I think for me and impactful caregiving, you know, we can talk about caregiver stress all day. We can talk about caregiver burden all day. For me as a caregiver, it's not changing my mother's linen, you know, it's not making sure she has a good meal or that her physicality is intact, her mentation, that she socialized. Uh, it is the day-to-day the, the -day support. I've, I find that if I can impart education like this, if a caregiver is aware, hey, you know what, um, said PT, I know that her Medicare... Uh, finishes for this particular complaint, but I've learned that there is a maintenance program uh, that I, you know, it then empowers the caregiver to be uh, more knowledgeable and a better advocate for their aging loved one. Uh, but we're in this society where we, we pay, we pay for, you know, a spe you know, TikTok videos and this and this, but to actually be educated about how to advocate for your aging loved one it is so much more important in the, in the grand scheme of things. That's so true. So, so true. you know, yeah. So I, I, I understand. I understand. And there's another good news too. Uh, for those people who are listening, who have a loved ones that has Alzheimer's and dementia, the government, you know, the, the current, uh, whatever government, uh, President uh, Biden passed a law, a bill called the GUIDE, G-U-I-D-E, GUIDE, wherein practitioners like us, 
who, who bills Part B services can send an actual caregiver and be paid. So before uh, you have to use your, your, your long-term care insurance or pay out of pocket, uh, now, uh, provided that the physician, the nurse practitioner, or the therapist uh, can pr can prove that the patient has Alzheimer's or dementia, you get services. Of course, you can get that through the area of agency disability in your local community, but now Medicare is trying to uh, provide that services too. So 2024, they're trying to pass that law. Come 2024, you as a provider, you can hire caregivers and send to your actual patients. So that's what we're okay, trying so, to do. Yeah, so let mm -hmm. me let me rearticulate what I feel like I, I hear you saying so we're clear. Mm -hmm. So currently when I have written for to document that said caregiver is caregiving for Mary, right? And then that care Mary's caregiver gets a stipend for caregiving for Mary. But as it stands currently, that's only for people that have Medicaid product. So you're saying that in 2024, now there's an opportunity for Medicare clients to have the same? Yep. To be able to that's build Medicare okay. Part B for mm -hmm. caregiving services. Yep. That's amazing. So that's an added service to you as a clinic and also an added service to our clients. And then the good thing about this is that the uh, we we build the code. You and me, you know, we can build that code. And then the the next the next level too is we can build the education. Whatever you're doing right now, you're educating. Uh, there's an education code now that you can use. So in therapy, in physical therapy, we have to physically touch the patient, do an actual exercise, walk the patient, so we could build the code. We were never able to build like an education code, even though we're educating them all the time. With this new code, you know, you can call the patient over the phone. Hey, Mrs. Smith, have you taken your medication? You know, like an RTM code. I don't know if you use RTM. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like an RTM code, but it's more of the education code. And then that's an added service that we can provide to our, for our patients. And of course, an added revenue for a practitioner like us. So that's uh, the next the. Uh, good news for, next level for yeah that really next is level. because there is you know there are you know geriatric clients like my mother who she's a retired nurse her entire life and has medicare she has a great medigap plan but yet mm -hmm. she is not privy to the services that she needs because she's not a medicaid client and That's it so really true. pains me That's it. she's in yeah. the middle you know we have a lot of yeah. clients like that you know, they yes. can't get this milk on wheels. They can't get this caregivers at the home because no. she kind of make some a little bit too much and then not too less. So there's that middle there. So at least that Medicare will, will, will take care of them there on that level. So Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So listen, I'm hearing all kind of collaborations between you and I. I definitely want to uh, chat offline about some future options for us because I really celebrate the work that you're doing. And I I feel that your, your family history is still guiding you, which is a beautiful thing. And I love it. So tell us how, you know, we're international audience, how someone follows you, your various offerings, how they can connect with you to be inspired by you and your social media platforms, et cetera. 
Yeah, uh, for those people who are interested in learning about uh, Alzheimer's and dementia, you can go to our website, drmikechua.com slash ADDC. Uh, we teach that class at least once a month. Uh, I used to teach it full time. I travel and, and now we just do it also in Zoom. So drmikechua.com slash ADDC. And then, of course, if you want to follow me, it's uh, you can follow me through Facebook. That's where I'm very active at. So. Uh, a lot of people will say I need to go to TikTok and Instagram, but uh, for some reason, my audience is really in Facebook. So reach out on Facebook or you can look up our little clinic, Jerryhab Physical Therapy. Uh, you can also go to our website, jerryhabjackson.com. So uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Bell. I appreciate you. Yes, I'm so thankful that you're, we were able to make it happen and that you're here with the CarePod today. Thanks again. All right. Again, thank you very much. Great information, right from the source. For more information on how to care give like a boss, check out impactfulcaregiving.com. Want to be a guest on the show? Contact us at carepod at impactfulcaregiving.com.